Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Hello and welcome to the First and Fifteen <laughs> podcast. This is the Southern Region coverage. My name is Jay Ballamy and I'm delighted to be joined by our regular panellists, Lewis Phillips. Hello. Gareth Price. Hi. Ryan, home alone, McKeevney. Hello. And lukewarm champion. I knew I should have never given you that bag of coke, mate. You came out <laughs> charging in this one, mate. <laughs> we have a full house, guys. We're all back. Well, We're all well, back. Welcome, back. Gareth. welcome back, Gareth. Yes, indeed. He's a married man now. I certainly am. <laughs> Do you feel better for it? Oh. Does your other half listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> my, my other half listened to the first minute of our pre-chat and then wisely left the room. Something about Jeremy Clarkson being a sex symbol, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, we'll move woman. on. We'll move on. Guys, before we get into flag football chat, I have a, another testing question for you all. Um, feel free to jump in with your answers. But my question for the day is, how many owls do you have to see in a single day for you to suspect that something evil is happening? Just how one. many owls do you see in a normal day, Jay? Well, it depends where you live. I've, I've seen owls before where I live. Owls are, owls are generally nocturnal, aren't they? So if uh, I if agree. I see if I see an owl, I'm, I I Fine. I go I go to bed real early. Um, so if I see an owl, it means that there's either I'm up late uh, and nothing good happens then, or uh, there's an owl going about in the daytime and that's weird. So something's are owls generally associated with evil things. I'm not I'm not saying the owl is evil, but I'm saying how many owls will cause you to think something evil is happening. Hmm. Have you ever seen the birds? I've seen. Birds. I've seen a bird. Yes. <laughs> no, as in Alfred Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Yes. Not his birds specifically. That that many birds. That many owls. <laughs> that many owls. How many owls are in that? Lots. I'd say I'd say I'm if not... I haven't gone to a bird place, whatever, an aviary. Yeah, <laughs> an aviary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Aviary, yeah. Bird well, place I, almost I, also I, works. I, I, <laughs> Um, I, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say a dozen owls is looking a bit suspicious. You know what I mean? Like that, that's when I start raising the eyebrow. I'm like, why have I just seen a dozen owls? That is, yeah, that's you're weird. Thinking, you're thinking something's up. You're thinking. I'm thinking like, something's up. Like, Mc, like McKinsey have just re- unleashed a, a hole in the, in the financial world and, and the owls have come out of it. That's, that's sort of, that's your vibe, is it? Some, something like that. Something like that is. It's, it's a tough question, mate. It's, it's a very weird question. Well, Where do you get these from? Do you, just, do you genuinely yeah. get these off the top of your head? I'm starting yeah. to think five owls could put together a better podcast at this rate. <laughs> What's going on right now? Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's just what I ponder on my way to work. You know? you've got to <laughs> we, keep yourself... you, wait, you, did you come up with this entirely by yourself? I did. No inspiration. I, I no inspiration. How many owls did you see that day? They are very creative. <laughs> it was a good day. <laughs> It wasn't that evil very, at all. I, I, can I say, Jay, that is an amazing way that your brain works. That is, that is genuinely, that has warmed me a little bit. I found that a little bit moving. That's such a like wonderful and childish way to view the world. So I, I respect you, mate. Don't let these guys bring you down and don't listen to my insults. No, I won't. I won't. I'll be too busy thinking about owls. Anyway, moving on. Flag football. Big day in the, uh, in the Southern Premiership. Uh, game day three nationally, but game day two for, uh, for our for our southern teams um we're going to start with the southeast coverage so luke and home alone you're gonna you're gonna take us through it game selected uh we're gonna start the top of the shaft with the flash smoke game smoke coming out winners 58 26 in this one luke yeah let's let's do this so i think this was a really intriguing game and i've I've just got it i've got to give it up to um, the flat, the scoreline really doesn't reflect, I think, the the flow of the game at all. Um, you know, from from my perspective, we rolled out a couple of new guys on defense, um, and I think my big takeaway from the day, and I think I think many of you agree, but it's a lesson kind of worth heeding, is that when defending, man, chemistry is so important. You know, one guy makes a mistake, that can be everything in flag. It's a lot of space, and I mean, 
only five guys sort of handling that that amount of space and providing blocks. So miss a tackle, that's an enormous issue. It was a rainy day. There was plenty of that. And I just thought Flash exploited it every single time when given the opportunity. So right up until about half time, I think there was only four points in it. So we were leading by about four points as the smoke. Um, and there was a genuine moment where if Flash had scored on that drive, Flash go ahead, period. Um, which was a fantastic performance by them. They, they, the door was open once or twice. It wasn't open much, but it definitely was open once or twice. And I thought the way they conducted themselves is amazing. Towards the end of the game, it did start to go against them. But I, I think that's very understandable. And I kind of admire the tactics. As we're getting into that more uncomfortable with the game, we were certainly getting a little bit nervous, I think, on our side, on our sideline, whether we would, would admit it or not. And I think, you know, they, they threw some pretty interesting attempts out there. It didn't go their way. And so the scoreline looks like, um, you know, uh, quite a big separation between the teams. But that, that certainly isn't the tale of this story. So big props to, to the guys in Flash. Um, especially Brian, Radu, Kenny. I uh, saw some great defense from Will, um, Dockers. It was a really impressive performance by the guys. I think there's a lot to be proud of there. And actually for Smoke, I think there's a lot for us to work on on defense. And some of these new guys got a bit of, got to get a bit more practicing with them, getting ready for, uh, for our style of, of defense and give them an opportunity to step up. I'll add on to that. I was refereeing on the other field at the time and it definitely looked like there was a few nervous Smoke faces on the field. Um, from where I was standing, I th can't remember exactly what the score was, but there was a big sort of cheer from the Flash sideline as they scored. Um, and I don't think no, a few of the Smoke players knew quite what hit them at the time. I think that's fair, man. And I think, you know, when you look at um, the Flash, I'm, I'm pretty sure in all of our other games, we weren't really stopped on offense at all. Um, and Flash, uh, to, my to my recollection, had made at least two stops, maybe even more than that, maybe three. An impressive performance, man. Impressive performance. And I'm, I'm looking down the stat line for the game, uh, and it, you're right, it does reflect quite a balanced game. The only thing that really stands out for me is you've got two picks for Brian Tabor of the flash and then none for uh, none for Charlie Williams. Is that is that really what's, what's made that scoreline look as inflated as it, as it is? Bearing in mind you're both saying that's quite an even game from uh, from both teams. It is, but it's also trying to get in the game. Like It's no good being behind all the way up until the very end. At some point, you've got to go ahead. At some point, you've got to get a little bit more ballsy. There are a couple of throws, which if they go the flash's way... Um, would have really worked out. But I don't want to say that there wasn't, you know, some luck on their side as well. They threw some really nice deep balls that did pay off for them. It was wet conditions, you know, drops were being made on many, many different games that I saw. So, you know, things kind of, whatever it was, um, I think the gods were watching and they wanted a little bit of entertainment and they got it. Yeah, I was going to say, there must be some, some uh, a lot of deep balls, a lot of um, scoring on first or second down. Because if you're saying that the flash... You know, got two or three stops, and Brian threw a couple of picks. Like for this, for, to score nearly sixty points, and then for Flash to score twenty six. Like these must have been some quick scores, because like I don't know, I don't know what what you guys think, but like three okay. three um three possessions in a half, maybe four if you're lucky, probably. Like, and if if Flash are making two or three stops, and and Tabor's throwing a couple of picks as well, like these were some quick possessions by the sound of it. Yeah, that's that, that's right, Lewis. You're you're one hundred percent on the money. You know, you've got you've got Jack Jarrett going one way, and you've got guys like Kenny and Radu going the other. And it was it was a it was a game of game of deep balls and defensive mistakes. I think on the smoke side, really. So very 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 impressed. You know. Staying with the Flash, then uh, they also had a game against the Aylesbury Vale Spartans, uh, and the score in this was thirty eight thirty two to the Flash. Uh, home alone, Luke. What can you tell me about this game? Yeah, so I was refereeing uh, this one, but I will start off by adding that when Luke said it was raining, it very much was hammering down all day. It was a terrible day to be a defender, um, as evidenced by all of our games in that um, game day, scoring 70 points or more. So I think it very much was a day of control uh, and very much a day of who could actually execute better, um, very much offensively. Um, but no, I, I think this game really surprised me. I, I think seeing that Aylesbury had lost uh, the first two games in game day one. Uh, they were without their quarterback then, but kind of seeing what they were able to bring to the table. Um, so to be able to run with the flash, um, I think they did a really good job. Um, I, I think, yeah, just the flash had a bit uh, more of the higher end kind of plays in this game. Uh, Brian had one where he was rolling left, put his foot in the dirt, kind of almost did a drift around a corner almost. Um, and then come back to his right, throwing across body for a touchdown at one point. So 
yeah, there was a lot that was exciting in this game. Um, but as mentioned before, I think the Flash executed just a little bit better um, and were able to close out a game at the end, which I think um, Aylesbury at one point were driving to at least tie the game towards the end. Um, but yeah, no, Flash come out winners on that one. But yeah, it was, it was a great game to watch. Interesting that you mentioned that um, with with the wet wet conditions, that it was a bad day to be a defender. Like, can you elaborate on that? Because I always, when I used to play defense, I used to love playing in the rain because quarterbacks no, couldn't not. throw for shit, and and people couldn't catch for shit. So playing defense was super easy when the weather was raining. I I thought that was an amazing piece of analysis by him alone because it's so true, and I agree with you, Lewis. It's really weird because I've turned up to a lot of tournaments and it begins raining, and in my head, you know, it's it's just that, it's that wonderful moment. You know, it's like. What's his name? What's his name in Lord of the Rings? And it starts raining. He's like, so it begins. You know what I mean? You get that swell. <laughs> you get you, you get excited, man. It's that moment where you're thinking, oh, everything's going to be sliding off their hands. We're going to get those little bubble picks. It's going to be great. But actually, something I think was done really well by all the teams that played that day was these offensive adjustments. And actually, it lent itself to defenses just not making tackles, man. Flags were sliding out of hands. And I can say that that happened to me on, on one or two occasions and actually like having to grip the thing and you didn't get it by the plastic right at the top. You could easily just slide off your hands. I saw lots of people just abandoning their gloves. I thought the offences did an amazing job at either going really, really deep, you know, a really nice drop-in pass that someone's able to bring into their chest or playing it really short and letting some of their receivers go on those runs. And I know the Spartans have got a couple of shifty guys who are able to get moving. You give them a little five-yard curl and you don't tackle them quickly, they're going to start getting past you. So I thought they both really, really well adjusted to that. In a very weird way, the offences empowered themselves against the defences to respond to those really wet conditions. I think a very underrated thing as well that I've noticed, uh, at least at this game day, that I hadn't previously seen much of before um, in Division 1, is actually just every single offence had um, a towel to keep their balls dry like they had. Um... (laughs) So, yeah, they had multiple balls ready to go. And keeping those balls balls dry. (laughs) Setting straight off. But, yeah, it's a very underrated part of that day, which I think really helped um, the offences. Is that the balls or the towels that you... Well, between balls, towels, and grip, it's it's all quite it's all quite important, really, isn't it? When you're playing flag football, um, the one sort of defensive highlight I'm looking at now, just looking at the numbers from the game, we've got a pick six from uh, from Dockers on here that no one's mentioned. Anybody want to tell me about that? We do, yeah. Um, I can't exactly remember what the start of the play was, but I think uh, the Aylesbury quarterback um, was sort of pressured going back towards his own goal line, so I think. He was very much thinking of a safety, tried to check down almost, and then, it, yeah, the ball very much slipped through the receiver's hands. Dockers kind of grabbed it almost as it was sort of falling onto the floor out of the receiver's hands, almost like a fumble bobbled up, um, caught it, and then ran it in for the score. So, yeah, don't get many pick sixes in flag, do we? Absolutely not, absolutely not. And, you know, to all our listeners that say we don't give enough credit to defence, there you go. I've made the effort today. That'll be all we need to cover. Good. If I'm I'm right, Jay, Dockers is leading the uh, interception stats at the moment. I saw him bragging about it on his Instagram. Is he? I believe he's Is that that division-based or is that nationally? That is a good question, and I'm not good enough on League Republic to work that out. Who's is it Gareth? Uh, is it Gareth on the guy? Well, the thing is, so you've got to remember that some of these teams have played one extra game day. So nationally, uh, he's not. Uh, let me see if I can find Doc, because he doesn't look like he's in the top 10. Oh, that's Can't good. We've him. raised him up, and then we've knocked him down. That's good. Where is he? <laughs> Paul, Paul Teague Paul Teague of the Nottingham Honey Badgers is currently leading the country um, with 10 interceptions but you've got to remember Paul, Paul Teague has played more games than anybody in the Premiership because he's got the extra game day well there you go Dockers we almost thought you were good now we've knocked you down a peg <laughs> uh, other fixture from the Southeast Prem Devils 46 37 Spartans and uh, home alone, presumably you'll want to take us through this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, this is a very similar matchup. A lot of the stuff that I said just before, 
very much was true in this one, but I, I think it was very much more of an offensive explosion in a way. Um, I think Flash sort of um, Spartans was very controlled. The rain wasn't coming down as hard, uh, but by the time this game kicked off, it was absolutely pouring. Um, I think everyone at the end of that was very much drenched. Um, if you can look at our team photo on Instagram, you'll see that every single member of the Devils is absolutely soaked. So yeah, this one was absolutely impossible to be a defender. And I think we had multiple full field touchdowns um, sort of going back to back with scores almost within just a couple of plays at times. So I think this was a great game to watch as a neutral if it wasn't for the uh, the rain that was coming down. Um, I give a big shout out to Kenny here. Um, he had very much had this sort of game changing play. Um, I think it was just after the half and we were up by a score at the time. Um, and he steps across a throw um, to make an interception sort of deep in um, in our own half on our own goal line. So, yeah, big shout out to Kenny for that one. And I think it just shows the experience that he has brought to the team. Um, but again, Aylesbury did play really well in this game. Um, but, yeah, just couldn't quite get over the hurdle against us. So, um, yeah, Devils run out winners on that by nine points in the end. It's a tough, it's a tough start for Spartans, really, isn't it? Because they've gone up. You'd reasonably say in both of the, those games we've just mentioned, they've been in them. Um, I can't remember what they're like from the first week, but it, it's a harsh record to say an Owen, to be an Owen four team like that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially when you consider they've played the Smoke Flash twice and then the Devils once. It's almost like they've had well the three toughest teams within the division at this point, back to back to back to back. So. Yeah, I definitely think they'll be looking to pick up a few wins um, in the cross-conference schedule against maybe some of the weaker teams on that side. Um, and I think they are very much good enough to do so. Um, I think they're just maybe not necessarily unlucky, but just outclassed, I think, probably towards the end in that. I think that's I think that's very true, Home Alone. I, I 100% back that. And I think, you know, in seeing how close they were in the fight in both those games, they've kind of done a little bit of a... Is it, was it the Chicago Bears last year? Just kept winning a game by a, by a score. And then the Giants did it the year before that. I think they're sort of on that cusp. I've seen some really good play from them and lots of props to, to the Spartans, what they've managed to achieve. And a particular shout-out to their wide receivers. They were a lot of fun to cover in the, the Smoke Spartans game. Um, so huge respect. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, cool. We'll move on to the Southwest Premiership results then. And Gareth, talk us through Neptune's Phoenix. Phoenix running out 2019 winners in this one. So, um, yeah, the Neptunes, uh, I think they're, they're a team that at the start of the season we we had pegged as being, you know, fifth or sixth in this division. And although I still think that may well be the case, um, they are, without a doubt, a Premiership quality team. They have made it hard for every team they have played so far this season. And uh, against the Phoenix, they were two scores ahead uh, until sort of the final three, four minutes of the game. Um, and I guess a little, perhaps a little inexperience of how to run a clock out was their downfall. Um, the Phoenix got the ball back with less than a minute to go, drove down the field, scored the touchdown to uh, make it 19 all. And then uh, on the extra point play, there was a big collision in the end zone, which I'm, I'm certain the Neptunes will feel quite aggrieved about. But one one of the Phoenix ended up on the floor, two of the Neptunes, and, and the Phoenix quarterback was able to find the, the lone uncovered receiver and win it 20 to 19. So it was a really, really close match. And the Neptunes will feel a, a little unfortunate that they weren't able to get the win. But they are going to prove a stumbling block for a lot of the teams uh, on this side of the uh, the Southern Premiership. And I think, you know, although I would still probably favour Aylesbury, Flash and uh, and uh, the Devils, I think uh, the Neptunes certainly are not a team you want to overlook. And from what I've seen, I think even if they do end up in that um, that shootout for who comes up to the Premiership, I think they're going to spoil the dream of a Division One side. Yeah, good, good insight there. And and I'm looking at I'm looking at League Republic, and I've got Freddie Burridge down as the uh, the passing, the passing touchdown thrower for for three touchdowns. Is that accurate? That is correct. Uh, he spent pretty much all of this game under centre. I believe they had a different quarterback in in their other game of the day. Uh, I think his name was Alex, and uh, I believe uh, Justin Thomas was there, played mostly receiver, um, and he has also started for them at quarterback this season. So. 
a bit of a QB controversy, perhaps, or maybe they're sharing things out. Maybe they're deciding on who they prefer. I'm not quite sure. Interesting. It's a good storyline to follow throughout the year, I think, because not many Premiership teams do we see with an uncertain quarterback situation. Um, Sorry, certainly... uh, having a look, I think it was Sam who was the other quarterback. My mistake. Ah, okay, Sam Harvey. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. But yeah, not many teams in the Premiership that we see having that type of that type of change. Normally, we 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 think of Premiership teams as being the most stable ones there. So um, something to follow throughout the year and and see who leads the team passing as we go and, and forward. And interestingly, the the Phoenix also had two quarterbacks. I'm sorry, I don't know the guy's name, but no, number fifty stepped in at quarterback for Ben Eaton for some of the game as well. Interesting. Interesting. And, and Gareth, you're well renowned in the flag football community as being quite a harsh critic of of, of new uniforms. <laughs> Um, the Phoenix new uniforms fan not a fan out of 10 where would you let, go out of 10 well let, let, let me start by saying they're a huge improvement on the old ones okay um, they, they also some of them um, Kieran Eaton there with a hood certainly was jealous in the rain in Newport that he had a hood on his uniform I think that's that's certainly progress um, I, I, I'm, I'm somebody who likes big numbers on the front uh, that's my that's my critique. Other than that, I think I'd give them a solid six out of ten. Fair enough. I, I assume with their with there being new hoods, and this is a plug for uh, our sponsor. Are they are they the new roller hoods? Are they? <laughs> that's a good question, and one I don't know the answer to. <laughs> oh, Let's Gareth, I finally yes. found something you don't know. Oh wow, they are. Are they, Lewis? They are. Yes, okay. ladies and gentlemen, you can get all your customized sportswear providers through New uh, and that includes sleeveless jerseys and hooded vests. They do any towels, mate? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, with New Ola, you just have wet balls. Anyway. Good. Uh, the other game you wanted to talk about, Gareth, was the North Ants Titans versus the Cardiff Hurricanes. Titans coming out 19-9 to winners in this. So, I, I mean, I think this is a, a game that it's pretty important to touch on. Unfortunately, I, I say unfortunately, I was playing the Cougars at the time. Uh, so I know limited information about what actually went down in the game. But the Titans the whole day were just imperious on defense. They... They conceded 15 points across their three games playing the Hurricanes, the Sharks and the Cougars, um, which is just crazy for playing three premiership level teams. Mm. Um, the Hurricanes, without Joe Cottrell, of course, no Costas. Uh, Chris Jones looked like he was playing half dead. I, I, I hope he recovers from whatever he's got. It seemed like it was pneumonia. Um, but, you know, he, he turned up and did a job for the Hurricanes. Um Nick Key's injured in their first game, so they they were down to their third-string quarterback. Not sure how serious the injury was, but it, it kept Nick out for the remainder of the day. Um, so, you know, with, with all those considerations, I think it would be fair to say that it was expected that the Titans would beat that Hurricane side. A um, mm -hmm. lot of rookies in the Hurricanes team, a lot of rookies given game time, uh, some of them quite exciting and look like they're going to develop into really useful premiership players. Um, but the Titans, they, they just couldn't be scored on. Um, the Hurricanes touchdown, I think, came from a, a short field interception. Um, they got two points on a safety. Uh, the same thing happened in the Titans-Cougars game. It was a, an interception by the Cougars on sort of the one-yard line that gave them the opportunity to score a touchdown. And, of course, the Titans shutting out my Chichester Sharks. The defense uh, led by Ollie. Uh, starring Antoine Richardson, and I, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the Titans blitzer, but he was fantastic throughout the whole day. So they they were thoroughly deserving of all their wins. Excellent, and and that sort of leaves the division in, in quite a nice shape then for the Titans. So they're they're at five and zero, joined by the Smoke at four and zero, um, hot on the heels with the Reading Devils and London Flash with with three wins and one loss each. Uh, but we do have three winless teams in the Premiership overall. So Ailes, Aylesbury Vale Spartans, Victoria Park Panthers and Cowan Cougars all not with a win yet so far this season. Uh, you know, early early predictions from the three Premiership boys. Who do we think is going to finish top and who do we think is going down? Or going to be in, the, in those weird playoff brackets to play each other to maybe go down, but maybe not go down? Well, I think I see, uh, uh, if, if, if nobody minds me jumping in, I think I see a... Uh... A situation where it's going to come down for the unbeaten record. I think it's going to come down to the Titans v Smoke game. Um, and my prediction at the start of the season was that the Titans would lose that game on a on a final drive play from the Smoke. It's going to be a really good game. 
Um, the Titans have a couple more tricky things to uh, to navigate. They're going to get the Hurricanes again. Um, you know, the Phoenix beat them last year, uh, and the Phoenix and the Titans know each other so well that that's always a competitive game. But I can't see at the moment anyone but the Smoke beating the Titans. So I think they're the, the Southeast and the Southwest winners. Luke, home alone, what are your thoughts? I think Gareth is spot on in that analysis. I think it's very tough to look past the smoke already with the results they've had this season. I mean, putting up, what's it, 56 points on the flash, um, I think just shows where they're at already this year. I think it's a good point, Home Alone. For me, I'd need to know what's changed about the North and Titans. I think the games last year weren't crazy close. Um, so I'd have a bit more, a bit more confidence in, in my smoke, obviously. But, you know, there were some really, really impressive pieces on the Titans. So if they've added a couple of things as well around that, um, it's going to be a really good game, man. It's going to be a really good game. Good stuff. And then uh, quickly for a shout out for that, those three teams I mentioned at the bottom, who do we, who do we think is our likely candidate <laughs> to, be, uh, to be holding up the rest of the division? So I, I don't know if this was the case in the first game day because I was on honeymoon. Um, but the Cohen Cougars, um, it's part uh, the ladies Coventry Cougars. And I don't know if they were there on the first game day, but it seemed that a few of the Cohen Cougars from last year had returned to the starting lineup. Um, that gave them uh, a little bit more uh, deep throw power, I would say. But it also seemed that they were a little disjointed. Uh, they were really fun to play, and they, they played everything in the, the best spirit. But it, they seemed disjointed for a premiership team. And I, I think Aylesbury certainly will have too much for them. I've, I've not really seen anything of Victoria Park so far this year, so I, I couldn't comment. But I would fancy them in that as well. Fair enough. Any, any disagreements there from Home Alone and Luke? Hard to disagree with Gareth. He's on form today. Someone about no. being locked down by his wife's got him got him thinking sense. <laughs> I'm just well rested. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, well look, that's enough Premiership ball. If uh, if you're not interested in Division One, then by all means, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the Premiership anymore. Um, we'll move on to the Division One Southeast uh, highlighted fixtures. Um, I've got a bit of a combo coverage here between a bit of Gareth, a bit of uh, Darren Seal writing in and, and informing us of some information that he had from the game day as well. Um, but we'll start with the Bucks Spark game that finished uh, Bucks Wolves. That is, I should say, um, it finished 2018 for London Spark. Big game, really, in the in the in the tail of the southeast. This one, um, Gareth, do you want to do you want to start us off with your thoughts on this? Yeah, sure. So, um, obviously, that's, I think, a game that, that Bucks Wolves uh, were not expecting to lose. Um, it was a really, really close game. Um, the thing for me that I took away for, from it is that that spark defence is going to cause some of the better teams in Div 1 problems. It is fast, athletic, aggressive and... They're, they're going to upset one of the big four teams from the other conference without a shadow of a doubt. Um, offense, well-drilled, um, not quite as exciting to watch, at least for me, as the defense. But then again, I, I am a defensive player. Um, had had some had a really nice playbook. I, I assume that's got uh, Charlie's hands all over it. Um, but yeah, for me, that defense just looked brilliant and uh, they've done a fantastic job there and they've got some real athletes on that team so very impressed yeah and and, and at the start of the year we, we were a bit sort of undecided on what we thought the spark would be Luke wasn't giving much away in terms of uh, in terms of where he thought they would be at the end of the year but we we pretty confidently said that it was the Wolves division to lose in the southeast that loss for them really puts the cat amongst the pigeons um, I mean, we've got we've got Spark on three and one now, and Bucks Wolves on five and one, having played a few more games. Um, you know, one loss apiece, it really opens it up and actually makes that return fixture quite important. I mean, they've already played it, haven't they? Oh, yeah, they have. Yeah, sorry, apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Jay, as we Jay, we mentioned Lewis. at the top of the, <laughs> give me my moment, man. I, I killed this piece of analysis. I told you guys, <laughs> our team was going to develop. They were going to get better and better. And now we're seeing Anthony Richardson. What are they? Fast, athletic, we're going to cause problems. It's Anthony Richardson, mate. You're looking at Anthony fucking Richardson right here, okay? And when I say, guys, like, Gareth, you are bang on the money. When you say fast, 
We were running our forty-yard dash times on Clapham Common the other day. So you got to you got to take a lot off on Clapham Common, all right? It's horrible ground. It's mainly where people like go to drink pims in summer and stuff like that, right? Party central. The ground is rough. Three of the guys on the Spark squad ran sub four point nine, which was their three fastest times on the day. These guys are definitely athletic. Let let me tell you guys. Let me tell you. These young boys. These young boys coming. <laughs> I mean, this is this is kind of panning out exactly how we said at the top of the year, right? Like, London Spark faltered in their first game, uh, have adjusted and have already shot out in their second one, uh, in their second game of the season. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not that surprised. Uh, this is they're kind of going the same way that the Flash did last year, which is kind of how I thought they might go. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting now that those two teams have played each other. They've split. Uh, they've split their head-to-head, one apiece. Um, I think uh, if it does come down to it, I think Wolves have probably got the better um, sort of points difference because I, I imagine they beat they, they they did beat the Spark by more than two points. So those cross-conference games certainly come into um, c- come into more importance now because you've got to imagine that both of these teams are going to run the table in the southeast. Um, so they could very well end up with the same record in the division, and then it's going to come down to uh, come down to you know the the head-to-head points difference between these two. But both of these teams will be hoping that the other uh, slips up on a banana skin when playing those cross-conference games. Absolutely. Okay, we'll move on to the next fixture. So we've got Sharks B thirty-four, Waveney Wolves eighteen. Uh, Gareth, you start off. You start with your little bit of analysis, and I'll, I'll give Darren's view after that. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. We, I didn't get to say anything after a, after the first game day because I was away, but we went up to to Lowestoft um, and beat Waveney by a point with someone who'd never played quarterback before throwing to three receivers in their first ever Baffer games, um, squad of five, and and we won that game. Um, and then, you know, we expected this game against Waveney to be a, an even bigger challenge. We expected them to, to change their quarterback. You know, they've got uh, three very good receivers in uh, Monroe, Marcelli, and I, I don't know the kid's name, but I've seen him play twice now. Their, their number 11 is sort of a – he's, uh, he's shifty. He runs good deep routes. He catches the ball well. And they've, they've got a lot of potential. They, they just need to put it together. Um, but we went into that game. Um, we got our quarterback back in Max, Matt Smith. Um, that meant Sam, who played quarterback in the first game, could move to his natural position of receiver. Um, defensively, they, they did everything pretty much perfectly into the last couple of drives uh, where they let Waveney score a couple of times, which was a minor disappointment. But they, they listened to everything we said about the Waveney game plan and training. They executed it well. Um, and they deservedly won it by a comfortable margin. Yeah, and the sort of take on take from Darren I had on on this was that having run rings round Redstorm previously from from Waveney's perspective, um, they just looked quite simply tired against Sharksby, right? So um, the fact that it was quite an, oh, it's always going to be an early start coming from where they come from, um, and sort of three games by the end of the day caught up with them. But the one shout that he did want to give was to Polly Munro for her uh, for her excellent tackling on the day. Um, he sort of made the point that you know we, we give quite a lot of plaudits to Alistair and Aiden, um, you know, two two star players on that team. But uh, Polly made a huge difference to the defence on the day. So that was a, a nice little shout out there from, uh, from Darren who watched the game. And then the other fixture you wanted to talk about from the Sharks group was the Sharks Red Storm game, Gareth. Did I? <laughs> I, I have it on my list. I have it on my list. So you might have, you might as well do. Fair enough. Um, this one, uh, I think um, the Red Storm started well. Um, it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult season for them again. Um, I think they've lost one of their one of their best players in, in toast to the Salisbury Marauders and. Uh, you know, Nick Nitko is doing a good job there, getting them energised and turning up for these games. And they stuck around with the Sharks in the first half, but um, in the end, they just they didn't have. Uh, I didn't. I don't think they had the personnel to to quite keep up with the Sharks' offence, which um, 
has improved greatly, I think, with uh, you know having a squad of eight instead of five and uh, and having a, a quarterback who's played a game. Absolutely. And, and on the stats list, I've only got six players down with stats for the Red Storm. Did they bring six or did they bring more? I, th- I, I think I only saw six on uh, sort of come on the field. So, understand, understand. Cool. And then the only other thing I wanted to talk about with the Southeast then, and, and we don't have a specific game to bring up with Salisbury, but I just wanted to give a, a shout out to Salisbury City Marauders. You know, we, we, we give a lot of we give a lot of props to the, the, the two big hitters in the in the East, being the Bucks, Wolves and London Spot. But Salisbury is sitting fifth currently in the division, um, three and two. And, and those two losses really, I believe, only coming to you know, the Wolves and the Spark, actually. So they, they seem to be the best of the rest at the moment, Salisbury. And, and it, has, it been the, has it been the influence of someone like Toast that's come across and, and made them made them a little bit more competitive against his other teams? I think almost certainly. I mean, I think Salisbury are going to benefit from having uh, more consistent squads turning up to their game days. I remember seeing them a few times last year and it, it seemed I didn't recognise people every time we played them. It seemed to be not a whole new squad, but quite a different squad each time I saw them. Guys, um, can I, Gareth, is, 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 am I looking at this right? Did they allow seven points to the Bucks Wolves? That is correct. They lost to Buckinghamshire 7-6. Did, didn't yeah. they lose a game by 100 points last year? That's Renegades. Ah, uh, see. <laughs> I'm getting that. <So> no. <laughs> oh, right, well, in which case, I mean, it's nonetheless, though, right? An incredibly impressive performance. I mean, Absolutely. when you look at the Bucks Wolves score total, they yeah. are killing it. Only behind the Cajun Kings. So to hold them to seven, A, it talks a lot about what the damage is that they've done in other games. But B, goddamn, that is, that is impressive. Well done to the Marauders, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well shout worth the Renegades shout as well for existing. Well, I don't think they exist anymore, actually. Yeah, not, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Marauders, we, we saw the, the return of, of Harrison Cooper and, uh, and Jonathan Cook between them. I think they had three interceptions. So they did a good job of, uh, of keeping Buckinghamshire at bay. Yeah, it's that, it's that. I believe Harrison plays for Portsmouth, doesn't he? If I'm, he does. if I'm not He's mistaken. Yes, yeah, so it's the end of the uni season that's... Uh, starting to bring those players back and uh, it can only be a boost for a marauder squad that's that's rolling let's 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 not make two ways about it they're absolutely rolling in that division and the cross conference games will be interesting when they come across uh cool let's move to the southwest then lewis which which fixture would you like to talk about first let's get let's get the uh the big one out of the way the close one um there was quite a few big big score margins uh this weekend in the southwest but the closest game of the day was was definitely kings falcons kings taking it 28 26 um uh, uh, a, a very close contest and i think a, a fair score line um uh, i don't know about how you felt but i i i didn't especially considering uh some of the some score lines Otherwise, this year I didn't. I don't feel like either team um, showed us their their best. Um, like we definitely struggled all day, um, and offensively and defensively. But there was there was some some big moments um, from sort of individual players that kind of kept things afloat. Um, I thought you know Greener had a couple of drops, had a couple of sitters, but. Um, Ollie had an absolute. Ollie Shrewsbury had an absolute stunner of a day, um, which kind of helped make up for it. And um, on our side, Paddy had an MVP day as well. Um, so we were kind of both. I don't think both teams can say they gave their best performances um, on offense and defense, but were kind of carried through. And both teams had opportunities to steal a win and push ahead and. Falcons had an opportunity while we were ahead in the last couple of minutes of the game to sort of salt it and maybe get a, a security score and didn't manage it and allowed the Kings back in the game. Um, but nonetheless, um, I think, yeah, two, a good game between two teams who were sort of quite evenly matched in that contest. Contest. Yeah, I think you're spot on with your analysis. It's it's a, it's a game really that was taken over by two uh, two diminutive speedsters. I won't say I won't say the S word, but diminutive um, in in Paddy and Shrewsbury. Really, I mean Ollie's Ollie's pulled off a ridiculous one-handed catch that he he's, he claims he's got no idea about uh, <laughs> to score. Paul, 
Paul had pick six in his eyes, and you could you could see that he doesn't know how that ball moved in the air to get around him because it was one minute it was in his hands and the next minute it was in the crook of Shrewsbury's arm. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then and then on the other side, then you've got uh, a freak interception by um, by Paddy, who you know you, you've thrown a lovely ball, albeit a little bit low for Greener, but he's gone down for it, and just as he's just as he's sort of scooping it into his chest, it's he's hit the ground and he's popped back up into the waiting arms of Patrick, who uh, couldn't believe his luck. Yeah, I mean that that ball, that pick was so freak that I'd already turned around and celebrated, and then realised he picked <laughs> it off. So, uh... <laughs> No, fair play. I, and I, I commented on the extra, uh, extra post on Instagram as well, just to say that, you know, Paddy, I don't get a vote in your player of the day, but if I did, Paddy would have absolutely been that yeah, guy because he was, he, he was outstanding all day. He made tackles that he, he had no business making. And he, he also had to, he covered Greener one-on-one for 90% that of the was, day. That was the big thing it. for me. We we moved him out to cornerback and, and put a, a bigger, taller, lankier um, body in, in the middle of the field. Um, and and put him up to corner, he was matched up with, you know, your best receiver, let's face it. Um, yep. Green is very good, t- um, strong and fast. Um, Patrick's not very big. He's quite small, but fast. Um, but he handled himself admirably and he wasn't, he didn't allow Greener to intimidate him. Um, and he got, got stuck in with some, uh, some, some big bat downs on those, on those hitches. Yeah, absolutely. No, it'll be, it'll be a good return fixture. I, I, I can't, I can't sit here and say I don't think that the Falcons did, didn't deserve to win it. They absolutely did. It could have gone either way. Um, yeah. Just it's the sort of game that last year did go the other way for the Kings, and then this is this exactly. Is gone, I, gone I, our way. I said I said to the Falcons before this game day started. You know, these, these football's a game of opportunities, uh, and and it's going to be who who comes away with taking those opportunities. We had plenty of opportunities in that game to to salt the game, to get a security score, to push ahead, to put ourselves in favourable positions and we didn't take those opportunities and, and Kingsham took maybe one more opportunity than we did uh, and, and that's reflected in the score. Yeah, comes down to extra points essentially, right? Yeah, that, that two-point conversion you got was massive. Next game you wanted to touch on, Lewis, was Kings Coyotes. Is that correct or do you want me to talk through that? Well, it was more, it was more I wanted you to talk through it because, I mean, I'd already left at this point. Falcons had finished their games, uh, had no more ref and responsibility. So probably best we hear from Jane. But I do know from, <laughs> yeah, um, but I do know from uh, social media that I think this game was tied at the half or at least there was one point in it at the half. So Cardiff certainly stuck around and, and made a game of it. Yeah, it was, um, I think there was only two possessions each per team in the first half. I don't know how it managed to be like that because of the clock. Because in the second half, we seem to have about four or five possessions on offense. So I don't know how that happened. Um, but yeah, it was about 14 all going into the half, I want to say. Um, finished 36-26 to the Kings. Um, but I'd say Cardiff looked like a much more developed unit uh, coming into the year. The the, score, the sort of the, the record um, won't reflect that in the sense that they haven't they haven't turned a team over yet. But certainly a much more well-rounded team in, in what is the most competitive division in in Div 1 um, and yeah they, they, their offence and their defence look much more comfortable in what they're doing they're much more assured it's just it's, it's it's fine margins for them that just aren't going their way right now they put together a good first half and I think in the second half they just faded away a little bit I think that was the story of their day in general for Cardiff they need to put together a full game's worth of performance to be able to to be able to turn over a win against some of these other teams but I think cross conference will be good for them seeing some teams they don't normally see and they're getting an opportunity to um, to really show who, what they can do when they're when they're not thinking about it too much um, and I've got another game for you Lewis that we that you didn't give to me on the list but I, I really want to talk about which was the uh, the Gwent Coyotes game which was which ended up 39 39- 13 to the Coyotes. Um, but really, the notable thing for me was we saw our first use of the uh, yellow card in this game. Uh, a young Coyotes team uh, uh, seeing, a, seeing a flash of a flash of yellow. Do you have any information you can give on this? Um, only a little. I mean, from, from what I've heard from gossip, really, because again, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't there for this game, so I didn't see it myself. But um, what I've heard is that a certain Cardiff Bay Coyotes quarterback through an interception uh, and before seeing a flash of yellow, saw a flash of red and uh, went with a not-so-legal tackle. Um, 
some of the uh, some of the witnesses have have said that perhaps it should have been a straight red. I couldn't possibly comment. I didn't see it. There was no video footage. Um, but yeah, certainly our our first yellow card of the season, um, but not our first ejection of the season. Or it is in the south, because um, that did come from a from a northern game. Um, West Lancashire Serpents uh, quarterback did something very similar and got a straight red card. Um, so certainly something that I think the uh, flag football officiating um, Discord will talk about. Um, sounds like two very similar infractions. One saw a yellow card. One saw a red card. So consistency. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be uh, needs to be straightened out really to understand what that is. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Other things to mention from the southwest then. So Swansea returned to uh, winning ways, um, putting themselves now four and two in the division. And uh, we we must give a shout out to Western Supers for turning up uh, at the game day. Uh, all that away from Weston, which is quite a quite a way around the corner. Not as far as Exeter. Not trying to say that, but um, quite a way around the corner um, with five players and playing uh, playing three games uh, and and being competitive in every single one. I'm not specifically going to call out the Exeter win, but they did they did get a win on the day. Um, but yeah, admirable effort from Weston to 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 bring such a light squad and do so well on the day. And always playing in high spirits as well. Um, they were they were. They were a laugh without being uh, without being dicks about it, which uh, you know might, is probably a different something different. I might have said a couple of years ago, but they had fun. Um, they they thoroughly enjoy winning the uh, the rock paper scissors coin toss. Um, that seems to be a bigger celebration than winning the game itself. Um, they're on no, they're on a they're on a big streak. They are on a big streak, yes. <laughs> and, and every time they win, the celebration gets more. Um, but no, that game with us, certainly not our finest hour. Um, just all, all, every facet of the game was difficult and, um, and not, our, not our best performance and had to have a stiff word with ourselves um, before we went into that Canesham game and, and had a... a sort of much better performance but yeah kudos to Weston but also like as you as you touched upon like I, I cannot overstate the difference between Swansea Hammerheads game day one and Swansea Hammerheads game day two um, the offense was back it was it was the offense that we saw in finals day it was efficient it was fluid it was it was just mean and just went through some offences like a hot knife through butter. Um and that like I refereed the, the Swansea Gwent game. Gwent had a pretty slow start, I think they'd admit to some of the some of their players sort of turned up, you know, a bit lethargically, weren't possibly as prepared as they might have been for that first game. Swansea were ready. Ash is just back from a King Ball appearance uh with the G B Silvers team, was 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 ready for a fight picked up right where he left off in Utrecht and just uh, ran that offense so efficiently and so ruthlessly. But um, a shout out to the defense as well, who I think had a real rough time of it in game day one. Whatever uh, adjustments they've been making um, in practice throughout um, throughout the weeks between game day one and game day two paid off. I think their, their rookie Rory, I think his name is, um, had a good couple of interceptions um, lots of turnovers in this game, uh, so yeah, kudos to the defense. Sounds like they have, uh, they may have sorted out their issues from game day one. So look out, guys, the hammerheads are back. I think Rory got pick six as well on the day, just to give you that did, credit yeah. as well. He did, yeah. Good stuff. All right, cool. Let's wrap up with the South Div One uh, Division table then. So at the top, we've got Canesham Kings five and zero, followed by the Bucks Wolves and London Spark with all wins and one loss apiece. Um, and currently at the bottom, we have Sonic Redstorm and Cardiff Bay Coyotes winless, with Waveney Wolves with one win, as well as Western Supers with one win as well. Uh, like I did with the Premiership, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Gareth and Lewis, uh, what's, your, what's your prediction for teams your, the, the team you think will top the division and your, your prediction for the team that you think will be holding the division up? So I think, uh, I mean, Kingsham are, are on a roll at the minute and they look unstoppable. The The offence is really rolling really well. Defence is picking up bits. Alex Wasaki had a really big day at Blitz. Um, had a couple of bat downs as well as a couple of sacks. So he had a big day. Um, 
but uh, and, and and I think if Swansea continue on this trajectory from game day two, where the the offense just clicks and they look ruthless, and if the defense continues its run of form um, from game day two, then uh, if they have indeed figured it out, um, then that showdown is going to be uh, is going to be really really exciting to watch in the in the return fixtures um, down the stretch. Uh, propping up the table in in the southwest. Um, ooh, it's difficult to look away from uh, anyone other than the Coyotes who are still sort of chasing chasing their first win. I think um, Gwent have certainly made a, a, a sort of argument for themselves to be separated from that conversation. And looking nationally, Gareth, with your uh, your exposure to the Sharks B team and, and, and seeing all the stats as you do. Um, so looking what nationally as in both the southeast and sorry. The southwest. Yeah, southeast southwest. Sorry, that's not quite so, national, uh, but that's that's all the national I care about. Well, I find myself in a very uncomfortable position of agreeing with Lewis. Um, <laughs> I think Canesham are the now de facto favourites to win this. I'm sure. Sure. That doesn't please you at all, Jay, because you won't. No, not at all. Um, having already beaten the, the Hammerheads and the Hammerheads already having two losses to their credit, I, I even if they beat the Kings in the return fixture, I'm I'm not quite sure how they're going to pick up that other wing win to, to tie the division. Um, I think obviously it, it's again. I think it's the Solent Red Storm. I, I think whereas a lot of the. Uh, lower half of the table teams have improved over the course of the the off season. I, I'm not sure Solent have. Um, I think it's going to be another long season for them. Very good, good stuff. All right. Well, look, we'll uh, we'll leave the podcast there. I hope listeners have enjoyed that wrap up. We'll be back to do another preview show of game day three uh, very very soon. But. Until then, I've been Jay Ballamy, joined by Lewis Phillips, Gareth Price, Ryan Homolo McKeveney, and Luke Warm Champion. Until next time. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customized sportswear supplies. My money's on Home Alone's gaming PC. Yeah, mine. Wow, just catching strays. You have one freak heat wave. <laughs> one freak heat wave.